Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. I'm Crispin Schroeder. Today on the podcast, we have a message entitled Power, Love, and a Sound Mind. As we look into 2 Timothy, Paul's words to one that he has mentored in the faith on stirring up the call and living out of what he was created and called to do. Some good stuff here. It is coming Saturday. We have a women's retreat, day retreat at the church from eight to or eight thirty to four, followed by Fall for Art uh, that evening, where we will have local artists, live music, and food. Um, it's going to be great. So check out more on our website northshorevineyard.org or on our Facebook page. Thanks for listening. On the front of your bulletin, if you have a bulletin, is our passage for today, First, uh, 2 Timothy 1, 3 through 7. Paul, an apostle of King Jesus by God's will, according to the promise of life in King Jesus, to Timothy, my dear child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and King Jesus our Lord. I serve God with a clear conscience, as my forebears did, and I am grateful to him that I remember you all the time as I pray for you night and day. I remember how you cried when I left, and I'm longing to see you and be filled with joy. I have in mind a clear picture of your sincere faith, the faith faith which first came to live in Lois, your grandmother, and Eunice, your mother and which I am confident lives in you as well. That's why, I do, that's why I now want to remind you that God gave you a gift when I laid my hands on you, and that you must bring it back into a blazing fire. After all, the spirit given to us by God isn't a, spearful, isn't a fearful spirit, a spearful spirit. Um, after all, the spirit given to us by God isn't a fearful spirit. It's a spirit of power, love, and prudence. This week, uh, I experienced the perfect storm of awesomeness. Perfect storm of awesomeness is, is pretty cool. Basically, what happened is that I have been obsessively looking at the weather forecasts for weeks, longing for the type of weather that we got this weekend. And I could see that by Wednesday we were turning the corner. The day had finally arrived where it was going to get down into the 60s and then in the 50s at night at least. And so the other part of the convergence of awesomeness was that on Friday the kids were out of school and I didn't have a gig or anything Friday night. So I was like, 
we got to seize on this opportunity. So I booked a couple nights out at Bogachita State Park, and uh, on Thursday night we went out and we went camping, and it was it was lovely. It was amazing. It was a great time to be together as a family. About as good of a day or two for camping as we could come across, and I got to thinking as I was enjoying myself out there. Uh, one of the reasons I think I love camping so much is that it kind of connects me with this primal thing inside of being a man. You know, you, you, you show up at the campsite and you must first erect shelter. And so it's, it's not that hard nowadays. We got this lovely pop-up tent that, that you know, within two minutes it's, it's up. Now, getting it back in the, the thing the next day, not so easy. Um, so uh, the, the hierarchy of needs when you're camping, first you get shelter, second you must have fire. And so I go in the woods and I, I forage for um, pieces of wood, logs, and, and kindling, and I get the fire going. And then third, food. And fortunately, the primal instinct within me is, is not strong enough that I find myself desiring to go hunt small woodland creatures. We just cook the food that we came prepared. But when you wake up the next morning, there's another hierarchy of needs that, that kicks in, particularly if you're camping in cold weather. Because the first thing you got to do if you get out of that sleeping bag is make a fire. Now, this is the interesting thing because you come back to that, that fire pit where you'd had a blazing fire the night before, and it just looks like ashes. It looks like there's nothing there. But I know from experience, underneath about half an inch of ashes, there's some embers, and if you can just blow across those embers, fan, the, fan them, and put a little kindling on top of it, you'll, you'll be having a fire in, in no time, which allows you to get onto the other two essential needs in the hierarchy of needs when camping, which is coffee followed by bacon. <laughs> you got that? You're good to go. Paul, as I said last week when we were looking at 1 Timothy... Paul is writing First and Second Timothy. These are very different books from the rest of the books that Paul has written in the New Testament because these letters are not to churches. Paul mostly writes the letters in the New Testament. The epistles are to churches, to be read by the churches and to be listened to by the churches. But these letters are very personal. Paul is writing to his uh, son in the faith, someone he's mentored, he's poured his life into. And he tells him here, he says, uh, I want you to stir up. I want you to reignite this gift that was given to you with the laying on of hands. What is this gift that was given to Timothy? Paul doesn't say what it is, but I think we can deduce, deduce pretty clearly what it is because it's something that happened to Paul. When Paul got sent out on his, uh, one of his first missionary journeys with Silas, the elders of the church gathered around Paul, and they laid their hands on them, and they prayed for him, and they sent him out. Do you realize there's just a handful of y'all that have made it this far with us, but we're coming up. Uh, we'll be celebrating our seventh anniversary as a church in January. But it was almost seven years ago, it'll be seven years ago in, in November that the Kenner Vineyard uh, got me and Dina and our kids up on stage and the pastoral staff all gathered around us and they laid their hands on us and they prayed for us and they blessed us. And I believe something happened when they did that. I was so happy that when we came to the North Shore to plant this church, 
that I was sent as a son. I wasn't like rebelling against the church and going, ah, I can do this better, you know, and I'm just going to go try this thing. There's been times in my life where I wanted to do that in church, but, but they prayed for us. They laid their hands on us. And I believe there was an impartation that happened there. And this goes all the way back to the early church. And so when Paul's talking about laying his hands on Timothy and giving him a gift and stir up that gift, he's, he's, I believe he's speaking of leadership, pastoral ministry in the church, the ability to lead the flock. But it's kind of like those, those embers in the, the camping illustration. Whatever Paul had given to Timothy, for some reason it just looks like ashes right now. It's not alive. We get to those spots in our faith, don't, our faith, don't we? Where sometimes we're going on, we, we have this vibrant relationship with God, and it, it, it feels, everything feels great. Then we get through those seasons sometimes where things just feel like, like if you looked at our life from the outside, you might just think, ah, we're just kind of coasting along. We're kind of dead. But there's still something beneath the surface. It just requires a fresh wind of the Spirit to blow across and to reignite it. And this is what Paul is telling Timothy. Those things that, that, that I put into you, you need a fresh breath from heaven to blow those ashes off and rekindle that fire. Now, I'm going to fall back on the New King James translation here because this is what I'm familiar with, and maybe you're familiar with it as well. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. So what's going on with Timothy? Well, Timothy has been raised up to take Paul's place in one of these churches that Paul planted, but he's insecure about it. He's fearful you ever find yourself in a position where you're in over your head? You don't think you have what it takes? That's Timothy. Yeah, every day. <laughs> That's Timothy. But Paul's reminding him, this thing that you got, it, it's not from you. I, I was thinking about this when I was looking at this passage today. I mean, over the past few days. Uh, when I first approached, approached Phil Johnson at the Kinner Vineyard and told him, I want to go plant a church, uh, he told me, if you can do anything else with your life, do it. <laughs> I'm begging you. And what, what Phil was getting at, you don't want to do this, this plant in a church thing unless you feel called to do it. it it's, it's, you, it's a calling. And I really believe if it wasn't a calling on my life, I, I think I, I, I might have made it two years in this. But it's a calling. But even that calling sometimes needs to be shaken up a little bit. And, and this is what, what Paul's getting at with Timothy. He says, because God hasn't given you a spirit of fear or timidity, that insecurity that you feel about stepping out in the, in the giftings and the calling of God in your life, that doesn't come from God. He's given you a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Or, as some translations put it, self-discipline, prudence, self-control. We'll get into that here in a minute. So I want to look at these three things that Paul uh, attributes of the, the spirit that, that Paul talks about. First is power. We in America are probably some of the most suspicious people of power, going all the way back to this country's founding, right? We, 
we founded our country in a rebellion against tyranny, right? And we, our, our biggest values that we champion in this country are liberty, free market, and things like that. Um, we're suspicious of power. And every one of us in here very easily can probably, uh, without thinking too hard, you can recall a handful of people who work in government or in business or in education or even the church who have handled their power in a way that abused people or destroyed people or they were just in it for their own gain. We can all think of those people. And if we, if we sat here long enough, we could think of just a huge list of people. We are very familiar with that, that term, power corrupts, but absolute power corrupts absolutely, right? We believe it. I, I remember when Dana and I first, uh, when, when I was a young Christian, I was about three years into following God. Uh, I was a part of this church that was a very exciting place to be around. Pastor was a very charismatic individual, and Dina actually uh, became a Christian at that church. And we spent our first uh, year and a half of marriage there at that church. But it was a very, the leadership of that church was very controlling, manipulative, coercive. Uh, I didn't know it at the time, but looking back on it, when I've watched documentaries on people who come out of cults, I'm like, wow, I don't know if I would call this church a cult, but it was pretty darn close. It had a whole lot in common. There was, we experienced spiritual abuse there. The people that were supposed to shepherd us to Jesus really hurt us. And, and when we got away from that church, we were kind of messed up for a long time. Some of y'all think we're still there. Um, but I remember my knee-jerk reaction was once we got out of that, the pendulum swung from here to all the way over to this side. I'm like, I, I love Jesus, but I don't want to be a part of organized religion anymore because it just seems to hurt people. Maybe some of you can identify with that. I was just, I was done with it. And so I decided we're not going to go to uh, any organized man-made institutions anymore. We're going to gather with our friends at our house, and we're just going to worship and take communion and love Jesus together. Sounded like a good plan. We don't need pastors or titles or anything like that. That just gets in the way. People just use that to control people. We don't need that. And so we, we experimented with being like a little home church. And I, I'm, I'm sure there's some people this works for, but for us, I realized very quickly that a group of uh, hurt, <laughs> resentful people gathering around at a house, not much funner than the thing we left. <laughs> and so I was kind of in a, in a bit of a quandary, like, what do I do? And, and, and fortunately, I would say that had I I've not found the, the vineyard on the South Shore, the Kenner Vineyard, uh, I don't think I would still be in church to this day because I was kind of on my way out. Uh, before I came on staff there. And, and God used this, this church to, to bring some healing in my life. I, I love what N.T. Wright says. I, I think I put it in there. Um, power divorced from love quickly becomes destructive, if not even demonic. Love without power can degenerate into wishy-washy sentimentality. See, reality is, the way God has designed the world is that things will get done through humans, and we need leaders. We need leaders in government. We need leaders in education. And I really believe, even though my uh, you know, 24-year-old self would have disagreed, I, I believe there's a place for leadership in the church. Now, 
There's a place for leadership that, that pastors people to Jesus and takes care of people. We don't need abuse. We don't need abuse in anywhere in society. But I find that my problem a lot of times as a pastor because of the things that I've experienced is sometimes I can get to a place of, of, of just, you know, holding back with people a lot of times because I'm like, oh, I don't want to, you know, step out into that. So I, I've, got to, I've got to sometimes hear these words of, of Paul and say, you know, I need to lead. <laughs> God's called me to do this. I'm here to do this. But I need to do it from a place of love. Now, I don't know if Timothy's, I, I suspect Timothy's issue with power was, uh, and leadership was not my issue. Timothy, if you look at 1 Timothy, Paul tells him, don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. Don't let them despise you for your youth. I think what Timothy was doing, I mean, can you imagine that the Apostle Paul, who's at this time written most of the known Bible, the known New Testament, um, he's trained you up, and you got to take over one of his churches and preach his letters? I mean, it's intimidating to preach Paul's letters 2,000 years later, but imagine the people who actually heard the letters from Paul and then you're young Timothy, and you get up there, and you say these things, and they're like, that's not how Paul said it. <laughs> I, I can imagine how, how scary, how those would be big shoes to fill. Timothy also was young. I remember when we first started this church, 37 years old, um, which is quite old for some of y'all, but, but I realized very quickly, there's a lot of people in my church that are much older than I. How do I have, how do I speak into their lives? They got more experience. Well, God's called me to do this, and that's the answer. I'm not, there's other people who got a lot more wisdom from experience than me. But God has, has called me to do this thing. And so God's given us a spirit of power and of love. I think the best thing that we can find out about love is that when we need to learn about leadership, we need to learn about embracing our call, we look at Jesus. He's the ultimate example. I love, I, I preach something out of uh, Philippians 2 probably every, every month here at this church because it's one of my favorite chapters. That Jesus, though he was God, he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he humbled himself, taking the role of a servant. When we see Jesus on the night before he goes to the cross... He's, he's celebrating Passover with his disciples, and what does he do? He takes off his outer garment, grabs a towel, and he goes around and washes the feet of his disciples. That's power and love. See, the power of God, if we want to be leaders in the Jesus model, it's power under, not power over. It's not, I'm the big leader, now this is all the things you need to do for me. It's like, no. This is what God's called me to do, so I'm going to serve you and come under you. And this is why we need a mix of power and love. I, I would say from, from playing music, I've noticed a couple of things. When there's no, nobody leading the band, we had some great musicians up here, by the way. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I love playing, playing with these guys. It's, I, I mean, like, 
they're just so easy to work with. Um, but I've I've played with people before where you just got a bunch of incredible musicians and we're just going to jam, and that's fun. Um, it's it's usually more fun for the band members than the audience, or, you know, or anybody listening. Uh, but really, it gets old pretty quickly because nobody's in charge. Nobody's taking the ball and running with it. Uh, I I've been in I was in a songwriter. Uh, retreat a few years ago with Vineyard Songwriters, and they broke us up into several groups of three, and they said, okay, go write songs together. And uh, I found, like, the songs that were partially written that somebody was the leader on, like, I I even have a song we do here called Not Be Moved. I finished the song there with the input of some people. I was stuck. I'd had the song sitting around for five years, couldn't couldn't get it done. I had some people help me, but I was the leader on that song, and I could take it and run with it. I helped other people finish their songs. But when it was just three of us songwriters, like, hey, let's just write a song, the song wasn't nearly as impactful because nobody was taking the ball and running with it. We need leadership, even in creativity, which us creative people kick against, but it's crucial. God has not given us a spirit of fear, timidity, but of power and love and a sound mind. Now this final aspect here, I believe, is, is, is partly a manifestation of the other two. But having a sound mind, having sound judgment, self-discipline, this area of leadership has to do with being able to make decisions with a clear head, a clear heart, and pay attention to what God's doing to boldly do it without fear of the ramifications, without being led by emotions, but to do the wise thing that needs to be done. One of the hardest things. I think one of the hardest things about the sound mind aspect is that so easily we are driven by our egos, our false selves. Well, false self. Um, false selves is probably a problem too. Um, but every one of us has an ego. We have this projection of who we want people to see us as. It's our accomplishments, our gifting. It's the stuff that we keep out here. And if you get around a very insecure leader, you'll find that, that so many of their decisions are rooted in their ego. They don't want anybody to see who they really are. That's oftentimes you see a, 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 a person that's leading out of their ego. You get really surprised when they do something that nobody saw coming because they've, they learned how to live this whole life that was hiding behind this mask of accomplishments and giftings and all these things. Leading from your ego is shaky ground because you're making decisions not based on the best for everybody or the organization or whatever realm of authority you have. It's all trying to feed this thing that you're living behind. But having a sound mind, again, we we look at Jesus. I love when Jesus is being interrogated by Pilate, and he says, look, I know where I came from, and I know where I'm going, and you wouldn't have any authority if my Father in heaven didn't give it to you. What? I mean, Jesus is, he's not defensive or accusing. He's just like, look, this is how it is. (laughs) 
You can't say something like that if you're, if you're trapped in your ego. If you, if you don't know who you are, if your identity is not settled, if you're wrapped up even in the accomplishments of whatever realm of authority you have, if you are attaching your self-worth to those things, that's shaky ground. So I would say even a sound mind comes from the preceding one before it, love. As we, as we look at Jesus, as we find our identity in Christ, as we get that stuff settled, we are free to be who God created us to be. We're free to, to, to bring our own unique gifts, our whole selves, to the, to, the, to the table. And one of the things I love about North Shore Vineyard um, is I really do feel like we have created a community where people can be be themselves. I've had, I've had so many people tell me over the years, like, like, I didn't feel like I had to pretend I had to have it all together anymore. I could, I could show up, and if I'm going through something, I could be honest about that. Because most people, their experience in church is church is the one place you can't be honest about anything. <laughs> you know? You've got to hide those things. But when we are empowered by the Spirit of God to live out of our true self, our true gifting, it's power, love, and a sound mind. Now my decisions aren't just based on these transient things like how I feel from one day to the next, my opinion on things from one day to the next, uh, how many people show up on a Sunday morning, how good I think my message was, uh, how much money's being given. If I attach my happiness to that, it's it's... Some, sometimes it's going to be great. A lot of times it's not. But when I'm living from a different place, when I'm living from who God made me to be, then, then my decisions can be stable, sound. I can, I can exercise power in a way that doesn't destroy people, but shepherds people, that cares for them. So I want to close with, with two reflections here. The first question I want you to ask yourself is, what has God gifted me to do? What has God gifted and called me to do with my life? Why do you think you're here on planet Earth, not just at North Shore Vineyard? What, is, what, is, what, is, what do you think you're made for? And maybe you don't know the answer to that this morning. But that's a good question to leave here with. What is it that, that stirs your heart? What is the, the unique set of giftings that have been put in you? What are your passions? And then the second, if you know the answer to the first... Am I boldly living out the calling of God in my life, or do the embers of my heart need to experience a fresh wind of the Spirit to rekindle them? Am I boldly, am I boldly living out who I'm intended to be, or am I denying that? Here's the deal. If you can answer that first question, if you know why you're here, you know what you value. You know what is important in your life. And yet, 
you've been denying that part of you, that's a recipe for (laughs) really getting into a bad place with life. When you know what you're created to do and created to be, and you deny that, eventually you're going to get kind of resentful with yourself and other people because you're going to be miserable because you're trying to live into other people's expectations or the box that they put you in. Where do we need the Holy Spirit to breathe into our lives today? I don't normally do this very often, but I just want everybody to close your eyes in here for a moment and just let's just get quiet before the Lord. If you find yourself in here this morning and you've really been struggling with fear uh, of you just you've been denying a lot of parts of who you are just just based on insecurity and fear and you want just to be empowered to to step out and be be more bold and courageous in those things could you raise your hand up this morning all right Thank you. Well, I just want to pray for those of you who raised your hands. Join with me, church. God, for every person in here right now that has been struggling with fear and insecurity of stepping out into who you have called them to be. Holy Spirit, we just pray that the fresh wind of your presence would blow across their hearts this morning. Blow the ashes away, God. Cause the embers to take flame today, Lord. We pray this morning for power, love, and a sound mind. That you will no longer be tossed to and fro by fear and anxiety. That's what you can see clearly where to go and what to do. And where there's fear of, of taking authority in your life that, that God has given to you, that you would be empowered by the Spirit this morning 
to step out in boldness. And that above all, you would be motivated by the love of God. You don't have to control others. You can lay your life down for them. You don't have to demand and grasp. You can trust the power of God's love. Lord, I pray power, love, and a sound mind. Be upon all of us, Lord. And God, I just ask this morning for those who would have trouble answering the first question, what have you gifted them and called them to do with their lives? God, I just pray in the days and in the weeks to come, Lord, you would begin making that clear, Lord. I pray that you'd begin giving direction. And again, for boldness to pursue you in that, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. All right, well, if, if you would like to get some personal prayer up here for anything, maybe there's something said this morning that, that spoke to you and you'd like to, to talk a little bit more about that, uh, you can come up here to the front. We'll have uh, some members of our prayer team up here to pray with you. Otherwise, God bless you all. You can go pick up your kids if you have some and enjoy this wonderful day. All right, bye.